Welcome to the weekly. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. Hey, Matt. So no. Chris can't join us uh, until the new year, so Matt has been kind enough to fill in as co-host. So this week on the weekly, Revised Player's Handbook 2024, Hasbro Christmas Layoffs, just in time for Tiny Tim, uh, Shadow Scar RPG, and finally Building Better Worlds. So we'll end on some maybe positive, <laughs> positive <laughs> note. I don't know. They're trying to make it better. So yeah, we'll start off with uh, the uh, the dog and pony show that was PAX Unplugged. I'm already tired of seeing uh, you know videos and selfies or you know photos with RPG celebrities and things on uh, you know YouTube and social media. We don't care. <laughs> These people aren't famous. <laughs> I guess you know. Whatever. But um, yes, so PAX Unplugged, of course, Wizards of the Coast was proud to discuss, of course, the 50th anniversary. And I can't believe it took me so long to get this. And I, I should have had this like a couple of years ago. It's the year of the dragon. And, oh! And it's the 50th anniversary of uh, D&D. Yeah, that's... What a coincidence! Yes. <laughs> it's almost like they wanted that to happen. Um, yeah, so I thought that was that was funny. So, um, yeah, Jeremy Crawford did a little presentation of the Player's Handbook, this revised version. So it will be the biggest Player's Handbook D&D has ever had. And size is all that matters, I guess. So not only <laughs> not only the biggest in terms of number of pages, it has it will have more subclasses than the player's handbook has ever had. It has new spells, new feats, new weapon rules, including weapon mastery options that many of you have play tested in Unearthed Arcana and also mountains of brand new art. And does all of this art have the appropriate number of fingers? We'll find out. <laughs> If they're, <laughs> if they're actually going to, it's going to be art by artists. We'll see. So yes, this art is going to be uh, to cover the 48 subclasses. <laughs> so for each class has four subclasses uh, and each is getting their own illustration, uh, hopefully by humans. And um, there will also be uh, backgrounds for the characters to choose from. And all of those backgrounds will uh, have art represented. So the, I'm sorry, the, the, so the subclasses will have kind of suggestions of what your background could be. So there'll be like a, a context for this, uh, this art for the subclasses. And uh, it will show you, you know, representing places where you could become, where you could come from. Some of the examples that they showed were a carnival for the charlatan, a temple topped with a giant sun disc for the acolyte, a peaceful valley for the hermit, and a workshop for the artisan. So it's, uh, yeah, now your background affects more than your character's starting scores. It'll give you special feats. So they're, yeah, they're moving towards that whole thing. So having, moving away from species or race, doing anything and having it all be the work of your background. Um, and uh, a host of new options. So yeah, it just goes on and on. But the thing that they did emphasize, I, I don't think we're really interested in their rules changes very much, but they are trying to guarantee you that you can play your old, your 5e, your old 5e uh, copy of Curse of Strahd or Shattered Obelisk with this new, uh, with this new rule book. Or if you still love your character from, original 5e, whatever they're calling it, uh, that will still be playable uh, as well. So they emphasize the uh, yeah, compatibility. So keep playing those characters. Well, it has to be compatible, right? Because it's not 6e. <laughs> right, that's right. It's We can't, we, how, how dare us even consider moving to a 6th edition? 
Uh, so yes, and and the big question everyone was wondering if you've ever wondered what a challenge <laughs> what a challenge rating 20 or higher ooze will look like well the new monster manual that's soon to follow will have you covered they have a blob of annihilation really <laughs> difficult ooze <laughs> i think the whole game is going to be difficult ooze <laughs> i think that's a dude in hr that laid off all those people <laughs> yes blob of annihilation <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. That was his nickname. <laughs> blob of Annihilation. They should draw a blob with a little necktie. <laughs> you know. Yes, and a whole pile of pink slips. Uh, yeah, so they're doing an adventure campaign. Um, and, of course, the new thrilling adventure that's going to come out shortly after the Player's Handbook will feature everyone's favorite character from Stranger Things, <laughs> Vecna. <laughs> You know, the, the villain of season whatever of Stranger Things? Yeah, you know that guy. Well, he's going to be in, in D&D like, like he wasn't before. Uh, Did you read that summary on that? It's mm-mm. it's ridiculous. It's it's basically <laughs> just, hey, let's do what Marvel did, oh. and we'll just have this series of adventures where mm-hmm. you meet all kinds of legendary people from D and <laughs> and it channels into one big showdown with Vecna. And no. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so the- like base, like so tragically predictable. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really terrible. Yeah. So it's the, uh, the dungeons and dragons cinematic universe. Yeah. Wow. In, uh, in campaign form. Yeah, so Vecna, mm-hmm. Eve of Ruin, will uh, yeah. So that's uh, so exciting. And then yeah, that their uh, anthology quests of from the Infinite Staircase. It's all coming out, and it's all going to be so bland and mediocre. But they're going to name drop the hell out of these uh, classic characters. So yes, and <laughs> so they're going to have like the old, like the Greyhawk characters, the ones that are based on. Like mm. Gary, Gary, right. Gary characters like Morden Kanan. Right. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. Because uh, they, they're already with Planescape. They already are talking about, you know, the multiverse of D&D. So maybe they'll try to uh, anything they have the rights to. I'm sure they want to uh, reproduce somehow. So it's all coming. <laughs> but speaking of Blob of Annihilation, <laughs> as Matt, Matt brought up before, uh, Hasbro announced just in time for Christmas, so two weeks prior to the holidays, you know, just after you did all of that, that Black Friday shopping and Cyber Monday shopping and your, uh, your credit cards are maxed out, you don't have a job. <laughs> Hasbro has announced. <laughs> hold on. Yes, yes. you'll probably still get a company credit uh, Christmas card, but that's the last thing you're going to see from Hasbro. So yes, 1,100 employees laid off just before the holidays. So a lot of uh, a lot of outlets covered this. I saw, you know, basically everyone covering tabletop was just like, "What are they doing?" And they've kind of, um, I think they earlier. Oh no, it was actually a year ago, almost a year ago. So last January they had their their like 600 or five or 600 uh, layoff uh, when they were doing some some of their adjustments. And uh, yeah, so they've had a lot of p lad a lot of bad PR. So. Wizards, uh, 
with Magic the Gathering and D&D has had a lot of negative press. And so they thought they'd finish the year off strong by the parent company totally, uh, yeah, screwing everybody and doing a big layoff right before the holidays. So CEO Chris Cox, who used to be the CEO of Wizards, uh, released a, a wonderful memo that just said, team, comma, <laughs> pack your stuff. So today we're announcing additional headcount reductions. I, I love the the sly vocabulary of, cor- the, of corporate America as part of our previously communicated strategic transformation, <laughs> affecting approximately 100, uh, 1,100 colleagues globally. In addition to colleagues, oh, in addition to the 800 already taken. Yeah, so I guess during the course of the year, they've already done 800. So 1900 total this year. That's pretty good. That's gonna, it's gonna put them in the black for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like that they're not firing, they are um, (laughs) announcing headcount reductions. (laughs) We're just gonna like skip you. It's like, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Oh, I guess, yeah, you're out. So that's close to a full fifth of Hasbro's entire workforce. That's pretty pretty brutal. And cuts are you know, cuts are basically everywhere. So you know, Wizards was not spared at all. Uh, and so uh, Chris goes on, <laughs> CEO Chris goes on to say, "While we're confident in the future of Hasbro, the current environment demands that we do more. Even if these choices are some of the hardest we've had to make, yeah, I'm sure they've been they were real hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you take a pay cut, Chris? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I know this news is especially difficult during the holiday season. There is no sugarcoating how hard this is, particularly for the employees directly affected. <laughs> But and also the people sitting next to an empty desk. Uh, okay, yeah. and of course, <laughs> it's, Barb's really pissed because she can't steal Frank's bagel anymore. Right? Yeah, they've also cut the number of bagels. So yes, as as part of a regulatory filing, of course, we got to find out that uh, Cox made uh, makes one point five million dollars a year, and last year last year received a full his total compensation was nine point four with bonuses and all that wonderfulness. And, uh, you know, that's that's American capitalism. I mean, nobody gets paid like that in Japan. And Japan is like, a you know, the third biggest economy in the world. You know, there there aren't those uh, weird bloated paychecks. You know, so, but America does that with, you know, celebrities and sports, you know, athletes, everything. So that's just the style. So, you you know, you can hate that as much as you want, but that's the system you're that's the system you're living in. Um, but it's it's ridiculous to see this this kind of uh, this kind of compensation that uh, if it was uh, split between all the employees would have gone a lot further. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so they're uh, uh, they knew uh, 2023 was going to be a challenging year. They were expecting that, right? And uh, the the weird thing is though they had the um, earlier this year. It was October? They had the uh, you know shareholders call where they said they're up forty percent. You know, Magic the Gathering and D and D and Monopoly Go, I think, are up forty percent, and their licensing from Baldur's Gate three is doing you know gangbusters for them. They're doing great, but time to tighten the belt. <laughs> and the uh, the fir- the first thing that I I saw the first way that I saw this kind of I think it was on a business website they kind of pitched this is. Well, we have to move out of our uh, the headquarters in uh, in Rhode Island, their um, Providence, yeah, their Providence headquarters, because they've got so many people working remote. It's an empty building, and we're not going to renew our lease. 
uh, in J January 2024. So that's a big reason that we had to lay a bunch of people off because we're what? <laughs> Because of an empty building? <laughs> yeah, because a building that was already empty and uh, we just don't like it. So yeah, so they're they're giving up their kind of flagship, their you know, big headquarters, and it's it's ridiculous. Actually, I have a photo. Boom, look at that monstrosity. So that was built during the uh the the go-go nineties, um, or maybe early two thousands. There's a ton of buildings in LA that look just like that. But um uh yeah, they're giving that all up, and so I guess the next company is going to have to be cool with like, you know, Mr. Potato Head and, you know, all that stuff like permanently installed outside their offices because that's what they've got. But yeah, um, Hasbro is making some big cuts and just, you know, just saying this is what we're doing because they already, you know, were previously talking about the um, focusing on their, you know, kind of like streamlining, focusing on the big brands. Um, even though they've had, it's been a record year. Um they still were talking about how to, you know, and, and also we talked about them giving, uh, moving up that E1 and uh, selling off the properties for that E1 entertainment. So mm -hmm. fewer, bigger, better brands. So basically what G.I. Joe, My Little Pony and Transformers and then D&D &D and Magic. That's all we're going to be getting <laughs> shortly. Yeah. So this, sto this story was funny when it rolled out. I mean, I kind of spammed you with articles because mm -hmm. like it rolled out almost hourly because like the first article i saw was about the just generally about the cutoff the mm -hmm. cuts the layoffs and then it didn't specify anything but it did go out of its way to point out that magic and D, &D were like their big earners mm -hmm. and then the second one was like oh turns out they are gonna lay off some of the people at wizards yeah and then the third one was like here's the people they're laying <laughs> off at wizards and yeah. Oh my gosh! Why wasn't Kyle Brink on that list? Yeah, that's that's a shame. I guess he he, he this is not going to be the year. This is not going to be the Christmas that Kyle says because of my you know white fragility, I need to step down. Family, we're going to have to start eating ramen noodles, instant ramen noodles from now on because I can no longer, as a straight white man, head up D and D. Yes. Well they laid off. <laughs> I don't know if you probably saw this. They mm -hmm. laid off the Magic: The Gathering like community manager mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who's with with him for like twenty eight years. <laughs> yes, yes, she's a female, mm -hmm. but Kyle kept his job. Yep, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, and like I'm like, okay, this is just because I used to play Magic, so I'm always thinking about this. Like, mm -hmm. they destroyed their judge training program. Mm -hmm. right for magic tournaments right and now they've fired their community manager <laughs> like what is magic the gathering now i don't understand <laughs> yeah it's going to be a, a digital online collectible card game yeah yeah because i mean if they yeah if they're if they want to just move things into the the you know digital world because that's you know much more profitable than all this crazy printing then uh yeah you don't need a community manager you just need software and, and bots yeah so yeah the list this was pretty uh pretty brutal uh art director brianna hess senior developmental editor uh, editor Aiton bernstein producer and host amy dallin game designer dan dillon uh product manager natalie egan senior communications manager larry Frum, and then yeah magic the gathering community manager jesse hill brutal yeah and one of the uh posts i i i unfortunately cut off the name but uh 
uh, one of the posts of saying goodbye was, uh, hello, uh, lovely network of folks. As a result of recent Hasbro layoffs, I am looking for a new role and would appreciate your support. Thank you in advance for any connections, advice, or opportunities you can offer. Hashtag open to work. So yeah, that's bad. And yeah, and head of licensing and publishing, uh, Liz Sh- Sh- uh, Shu Shu, will uh, yeah, is gone after twenty eight years. That's brutal. Yeah, so it's really strange. And I guess they are, you know, they are refocusing, and they're they're gonna you know probably print less books and have less to do <laughs> because it's gonna be just digital and it's gonna be generated by AI. So who needs just. Just further betting on this online walled garden paying off for them. Yes, you know they're they're like triple down on that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really are because if people don't adopt this heavily, then yeah, they're they're really going to be screwed because they don't have the people to actually you know produce much now. Yeah, it's really weird, and and I, I don't know. They'll probably never fully disclose the the cost of this development, but that may be a huge reason, even though they were up on so many uh, of their licenses and uh, different properties, you know, maybe the development costs, you know, have, have reached into the tens of millions <laughs> for this stupid VTT. And they're just, uh, yeah, hoping that this thing pays pays them back someday. Yeah. It's not going to be through their little, what, what's their video channel called? Oh, they're fast. They're fast streaming. The one no one, can, uh, no one can find. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's named. Yeah, but they just say they're the the D and D fast channel, yeah. fast streaming channel. Yeah, it's so weird. They, they, yeah. Oh, and that, that's probably another big uh, money sink because they produ- professionally produced television shows that went out on some you know indefinite strange platform that is was supposed to be ad supported, but if nobody can find it, they're not going to be seeing any ads. So I don't know quite how that works, but <laughs> wizards responded when people reached out to them to ask some questions about all these uh, layoffs, they're saying we're not sharing or commenting on the breakdowns uh, on geography or teams out of respect for employees. <laughs> we want them to what? die, to die unnamed and unsung. And uh, they're also saying that there are more potential redundancies over the next six months. So expect more bad news and more uh, names to be uh, uh, taken down. And also uh, Mike Merrills, who moved over to Wizards, or was was in Wizards, moved over to uh, from D&D to uh, Magic the Gathering uh, not that long ago. Uh, But co-designer, one of the co-designers of 5th edition is among the numbers. Yeah, so a uh, uh, shared a... uh, a blue sky. There's a, a, a screenshot from Blue Sky that confirmed he was one, uh, or he he may be one. I guess it's as of this recording still being verified, but there was a hint in a social media post. So just nuts. They've had a really mess of a year, and if if everybody forgives them and forget forgets about it because of this anniversary year, I'll be I'll be very depressed. <laughs> We'll be sure to talk about it, but uh, well, there'll definitely be a segment that does, right? Yes, <laughs> it's just like everything else: Critical Role, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Elon Musk. Everyone, there's always that segment of fanboys because that's all we do. Everything is sports teams now. We right. just root for, we just root for our teams, and but they're they're gonna slowly bleed people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's not gonna be dramatic at first, maybe, but I feel like they've probably already lost a, n- a noticeable amount and they're going to just keep losing people here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I think you know that because we've we've talked a little bit about that with uh, Games Workshop. I think Games Workshop is losing actual talent, and it's just fans. You know, it's like the second or third generation of fans mm-hmm. that are now employees of Games Workshop because a lot of people with uh, some serious years put in uh, are gone. So. Who knows who they have writing rules and who they have, you know, doing their art direction and everything now. <laughs> it's not anybody, uh, anybody, any seasoned professionals. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, D&D is going to start experiencing that, too, and we're going to feel it. So, you know, the, the game's going to, you know, feel it. It's going to feel like that. It's just a, it's a service. It's, it's gone from tabletop roleplay game to subscription service. Yes, on the 50th anniversary. Also, like, I know this was your first story, mm-hmm. um, but the the PAX videos. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> yes, I feel like there's some of these folks who need to go back and take some sociology classes because because uh-huh. <laughs> what's happening is like with all this name dropping and like oh I saw Matt Mercer and I got to sneak preview the new VTT version and then blah blah blah. It's like, this is what the elite class does, right? If they yes. can't destroy you, they absorb you. Yep. Like, yep. they seduce you in and promote you to their level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Like, I won't name names here, but uh, you right. know who. Yes. <laughs> uh, rhymes with Dr. Game Master. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like this guy was all like, you know, low tech indie D and D player, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and now he's like just chummy and so happy. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Once he saw those the uh, and maybe the uh, the the views, you know, the views and the ad revenue that comes with uh, putting Matt Mercer's face on your uh, <laughs> on your thumbnails. Yeah, it's really. Um, yeah, yeah. If they can't beat beat you, they just swallow you up. And I think, and we, mm-hmm. we yeah, we've seen that in a lot of. Uh, so hang tough, you know, indie RPG <laughs> designers do not yeah. fa- do not be seduced by the. Uh... Don't go to the dark side, orcs. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah, it's it's weird, and it's weird how uh, just a little bit of that, a little bit of attention, a little bit of you know, it's just like, oh, really? You you know my videos on YouTube? <laughs> that little bit of flattery, and they're done for. Yeah, <laughs> they have been completely uh, absorbed. Yes, it's it's more that blob of annihilation doing its work. <laughs> <laughs> You need to draw. Will you draw me a cartoon of a blob annihilation sitting at a desk with a tie? <laughs> yes, yes, that would make me so happy. And just with the the skeletal remains of uh, you know Hasbro employees, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, say something like, "Well, you should have multi class." Yeah. You know, like yes, yes. <laughs> nice. Well, moving on to somebody that hopefully will be a uh, will be producing some games that uh, will give us an alternative. Our Telsarian is uh, working on a new, I guess, original property. It has it has some inspirations, obvious inspirations, but an original property called Shadow Scar. So this was promoted earlier as Project Blue Moon, and now is officially officially has a name, and they're talking about a 2024 release. So Shadow Scar, the multi-dimensional anime-inspired RPG. So this is uh, designed by Cody Pondsmith. Uh, and uh, who who was the lead designer on both the Witcher RPG and code designer on Cyberpunk Red. 
So the setting for this is a little interesting, although ninja stuff always kind (laughs) of makes me not very interested. Uh, The uh, Shadow Scar... Guy in Japan. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. So there's an interesting thing about this that that I'll bring up in a bit. Um, So the Shadow Scar Agency is a secret organization of ninja that uh, Mm -hmm. um, protect the multiple worlds of the mosaic. So what they're doing is they're giving you this um, interdimensional setting that uh, your secret organization is uh, uh, is protecting from this incursion of monsters. And uh, so the, the first, the release of this core book is going to give you four of these dimensions. Uh, one is a 17th century Japanese folklore setting called the Nakas- Nakasukune. Yeah, Nakasukune, which kind of means the middle world. Uh, it's kind of, it's like a Shinto Meaning, but I'm not exactly, I don't know if they're trying to say the mortal realm or this like realm between heaven and earth. Uh, but that's the, yeah, kind of the intention. 1920s pulp noir called Fifth Street, steampunk world called Steel Court, and an alternate history 2030s where uh, the world of refuge, where the Cuban Missile Crisis ended in a nuclear stockpile exploding. So all of these different uh, dimensions are uh, suffering invasions from these monsters from this middle world, and your secret organization uh, is uh, tasked with fighting them. Uh, yes, yeah, so the underworld of the Yomi no Kuni, led by Izanami, the goddess of death. So I guess, yeah, the world of death is the uh, the big interloper. So yeah, this is this has obvious inspirations from Naruto, Demon Slayer, Samurai Champlo, and uh, Cowboy Bebop, the designer uh, admits, Pond Smith said. And uh, in an interview, he said, I've always found uh, Japanese myth so different from a lot of other mythos, in that so many of the creatures of Japanese myths are less terrifying and more weird. It's like goblins that lick grime off of dirty toilets and spectral creatures that don't really do anything other than walk behind you at night and freak you out. <laughs> so, in Shadow Scar... never had... You've never had a Bushido character flattened by a bakamono with a tetsubo. <laughs> right. They're plenty terrifying. Yes, they get pretty they get pretty terrifying. Uh, so in Shadow Scar, all these creatures have uh, been bound by to the will of an evil deity and they're all enemies. So uh yeah, so they have a he says having a fun time kind of you know rendering these these uh creatures for the game. Um so they're attempting. Oh, so uh, talking about um, cultural sensitivity. So yeah, if you are going to base a, a game in in identifiable, you know, w- w- uh, Eastern culture, Japanese culture, a little bit of Chinese in there, they're um, attempting to reach out to folks. So we have some people we're talking to about culturally consulting for the Japanese setting because so much of the game is set there. Uh, they've been wonderful so far, and we will continue uh, to bother. Uh, we will continue to bother as we get closer to the release of things. So primarily, it's me at the moment, just because we're kind of laying down the foundation. Uh, but it's exciting. Uh, it's an exciting to bring in other people uh, for future products. So they, they are paying attention to the sensitivity. But the interesting thing about kind of Japan's, you know, soft empire is even Japanese, you know, studios and, and creators themselves are very playful with their, you know, pantheon and, and you know, the, the demonology and, you know, the, the things in Japan. There's a lot of variation. And so we get a lot of that in Japanese pop culture and anime and, um, and manga. So... 
it's not so it's not as you know sacred you know if you were doing something about the you know the catholic church about catholicism i think you would <laughs> you would get a lot more upset but japan really uh does uh have a more playful you know with their kind of you know rich and kind of uh unique cultural uh past they uh they they are playful with it themselves and i don't think they mind i don't you never hear people in japan talking about cultural appropriation they like mm-hmm. when western people wear kimono they like when western people are fascinated with japanese swords you know it just it it helps in the it endure it helps it spread it helps people become you know kind of these 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 champions or ambassadors of uh of japanese culture and even if it's pop culture even if it's a pop culture version you now even pokemon you know still talks a little bit about the, you know, the kind of, um, you know, yokai and oni tradition of, of Japan, even though it's a completely, you know, silly, uh, uh, you know, video game setting. So I, I think that's, that's interesting. And uh, I think cultural sensitivity in some cases uh, like this uh, is less, less necessary because it's already um, a, a kind of fertile ground for people to kind of play and experiment. And I don't think it's looked at as negatively when it's like Western, you know, Western designers and Western creators doing it. But that being said, I always hate, you know, Ninja <laughs> as a, as a kind of a, as a thing, as a setting for, for characters. It's just, it's just silly because it's not, it wasn't really much of a thing, but it's in pop culture. It's so, it's so cool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, but come on, we were kids in the 80s. You're supposed to like Ninja. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. There, there's a lot of American Ninja, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, that is, it does, it does feel kind of, you know, very juvenile to me. It feels like one of those things that, yeah, you like, you know, you fantasized about as a uh, elementary school kid. But uh, as, mm. as far as like, you know, playing it in, in some settings and stuff and kind of like, you know, feeling out the rules of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. But, um, yeah, well, it's, it's just it's interesting that it's not Mike Pondsmith; it's his son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like Mike Pondsmith; I think he's a cool guy, and he, you know, he doesn't get enough credit as mm-hmm. like one of the early role playing architects. Oh you yeah, know? yeah. Um, but this sounds very nineties mm-hmm. to me, you know, it's, which is kind of where Mike Pondsmith really, really made his name and. Uh, it's interesting to me that it's his son, not him. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, that's true. Even the even the name sounds '90s edgy. You know, <laughs> it does. Like, it does. Yeah, yeah. But the the game itself, like, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like riffs. Mm, right, right. And um, the the one that didn't take off like riffs, um, Feng Shui, Feng, oh, Feng Shui. Right? Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool, you know, game with time travel and interdimensional, you know, villains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little like that too, but with ninjas. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I wonder I wonder how much his dad like, you know, their conversations and stuff, you know, about his kind of, you know, uh lost games and things inspired the setting. Yeah, cuz you're right, it does seem something more of the taste of his dad than himself. But it may be and he's, you know, maybe uh, the sun can kind of update things to more current, you know, anime tastes and stuff. The um, there's a quick start, a little uh, kind of overview of the system and everything. The artwork they've got some really nice looking artwork. The character artwork falls down a little bit and looks a little generic when they're showing player characters. But the um, uh, the, the panels and stuff showing the the different settings and a lot of like the kind of you know demonic or you know monstrous uh, characters 
looks great. I mean, it really looks fun and very, very 90s, yeah, in its styling. So, um, should be interesting. But uh, so this game will not use the interlock system from Cyberpunk Red and Witcher. It instead will use a new uh, D6-based system called Mosaic. So fixed target number, uh, dice pool system, relevant skill and stat, rolled three or more is a success. Sixes count as two successes. So mm-hmm. yeah, so interesting. A little yeah, a little not 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 year zero, and a little bit a little bit like uh yeah like a two d twenty like a you know you've got a a target number and a uh, you're trying to get uh, three or more. So that's it's yeah you're pretty successful. I guess maybe if you need multiple successes, then yeah, that's yeah, that that's, yeah. That's probably what it is. Is like oh you need two successes or three. Right. Yeah. So the uh, difficulty. Um, does this tie into that new CD? project red property or is this a separate thing oh i don't know it, it didn't say anything about cd project red because they yeah they have the witcher license so they were have been working on the witcher license um which they've had to kind of set aside while uh cd project red kind of develops the setting and everything from um uh for witcher 4 because they yeah they don't want to give anything away uh, too early in the game. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a connected to a video game property. It would make sense if it is, but it looks, the artwork and stuff looks very, uh, it looks very RPG. It didn't look like, uh, like I mean, like tabletop RPG. Yeah, it, I might be imagining, but I thought CD Project Red announced that they were going to have a whole new game with a new, a whole new license they were working on, but I wonder, yeah, because I know they announced yeah Witcher Four and then a cyber eventually a cyberpunk sequel, but I'm not sure. Yeah, as far as far as it said, uh, this is a uh, uh, Pondsmith Junior inspiration. This is a Cody Pondsmith uh, uh, original setting. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And and they you know they named the the dice system you know on based on the world of that setting, the mosaic. So we'll see. So I'll put a link to the um, uh, the PDF where you can take a look at the uh, setting. They've got crazy uh their uh d6s are very uh you know very demonic very japanese demonic they do a nice job with uh, some of the design although the layouts that's the one thing i've always kind of had trouble with their games i'm never like blown away when you've got companies like free league and modifius out there you know artesaria needs to kind of step up their game with like page layout because it, it feels very dated like everything they do is a little bit wonky and a little bit dated and it's fine if you're going for a retro look but i don't know if that's intentional or if it's just the limitations of their uh, graphic designers it's hard to hard to tell yeah i think they're still i mean even though they partnered with cd project red i think they are still kind of a small operation oh yeah, yeah. Speaking, so. yeah i think that's that's true yes yeah, so a new one from the little guys. So yeah, take a look at that quick start and see if that looks interesting. And so yeah, they'll be, that'll be coming out next year. And they're going to do a starter set and then core books. There was a little bit of the uh, release going on. Of uh, uh, yeah, so oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Twenty twenty four will start with an initial starter set, followed by uh, a, the launch line of core rule books, miniatures, and accessories. So they'll do the whole thing. But will there be a t shirt? <laughs> that's what everyone wants to all and right a mug. yes and a mug and a, co- a coffee mug all right and let's wrap it up with some some good old dark sci-fi optimism so the oh, yeah. uh alien 
uh, role-playing game has just released released the uh, Building Better Worlds campaign book. So Free League's uh, Alien RPG, which is a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, we played their uh, cinematic adventures, and the cinematic adventures have kind of jumped around to you playing pre-gens of different covering a lot of the different classes, you know, kind of character classes they have, character types. Um, the uh, second one focused on the Colonial Marines. Third one, I think, is Colonists. And to support that is this new campaign specifically to play on a colony. So this new campaign book will uh, be, it's up for pre-order. So $47 US and the uh, digital and physical release is uh, January 16th. It's going to give you new characters, gears, ships, and alien species. So uh, a, a new campaign. Uh, so the, um, the setting, the little blurb about the setting is airless moons circle swirling gas giants eager to be transformed into, into tomorrow's paradise. Dark ancient mysteries wait to be unearthed beneath the millennium of debris. Searing solar flares boil your flesh and blacken your bones as you harness the power to light a hundred worlds. Unstable tectonic plates shift to, dr shift to drown iridium mines in scalding lava. Even the truth of humanity's origin awaits you out there, orbiting some dying star. And out of there, amongst it all is something truly horrifying something that nature never intended something alien so they're they're going all in and it sounds like we've got we're going to get some prometheus <laughs> kind of stuff oh, uh, yeah what are they called are they call the architects or something like that yeah i think so yeah the, the big kind of whitish bluish guys yeah so space jockeys space yeah that yeah right that whatever race that's the space jockey was yeah so they'll um they're hinting at that because the, the the license that they have, and you could tell that from their original starter set, kind of covers the whole range of xenomorphs and everything. So we've got all the way from Prometheus to uh, Alien, Alien Covenant as possible, you know, xenomorphs and settings and everything. So looks like we're going to kind of stumble into that, uh, you know, uh, man's or mankind's origin, a human's origin on Earth uh, being alien. So the the book hmm. itself, uh, it's going to be a, a big old uh, campaign book itself. We'll have the history of colonization, creating explorers and colonists, a gear and ship section, an extra solar species catalog, so new xenomorphs, the lost worlds, so a framework for backstory on a uh, for a frontier campaign, expeditions, which will be the six adventures playable in any order, and then the end game, which will be a final showdown with everything at stake. So the the order that you can play kind of everything okay. and an appendices appendix for all of their uh the new stuff they're adding that makes me feel a little better because when i first heard about it i thought it was just like uh sort of a supplement to play a long-term mm. alien game in that system right it wasn't wasn't like a cinematic thing and you could just keep going mm -hmm. but it sounds like it has like an arc mm -hmm. So it's more concise, and that's that's good because an indefinite game in that in that <laughs> yes. world, I think, isn't alien anymore. It's like mm -hmm. traveler. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Yeah, you you do kind of want to have a, a climax to whatever this is going going to be, and it's cool that they give you six six expeditions that you can play differently, and then kind of where the group is just like, I think we're kind of done doing this. You can kind of do one more, you know, one more big session to uh, to wrap it all up. So yeah, that, that should be a, a pretty satisfying 
Yeah, they, they didn't list any, like, who's writing on any of the, the sessions or anything. There's no credits uh, so far. But hopefully it's, you know, uh, the, uh, like, Gaska and some of the uh, uh, Free League people that were writing previously. Because they did a really good job with uh, with everything so far. Ooh, you know what you could do, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. If you got that, mm-hmm. you could hack it and use it for Blade Runner as a better life off-world. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yes, the off-world that'd be, colonies. That'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun to play uh, replicants in, uh, in, in, in yeah, colony life. Yeah, because, yeah, you basically have the classes that, you know, replicants are represented, soldiers and, uh, yeah, doing the, uh, the hard work of the frontier. Yeah, interesting. So they have, um, uh, yeah, so the, so the release is just... Uh, next month, middle of next month, and uh, oh yeah, and we have a uh, <laughs> we have a quote from Gorman. <laughs> I thought this is a funny funny thing to put in their their promotional stuff. So space is a pitch black room. Stick your hand out, and you might never get it back. Of course, <laughs> you also might touch God. It's a gamble either way. To to not try, however, is to wither and die. Only those bold and foolish enough to take the chance will change their lives. So I don't know if that's the character from Aliens, or if that's a uh, a relative of Gorman from <laughs> who led the the Colonial Marines. <laughs> nice, but yeah, they they they've got some nice you know kind of flavor text and stuff in the uh, uh, what Free League sent out for the uh, the notice, and then a lot of people are covering all the breakdown. So it's great. So they've got a Colonial Marine source book, and now they've got a, a colonist source book. So I think um, basically the kind of corp stuff, like maybe corp science scientists and executives is the only thing they haven't really fleshed out yet. And then, then you basically have everything that they touched on in the core book, you know, fleshed out and playable as far as, uh, you know, the, uh, the situation in the setting, the companies that are opposing each other, you know, the forces that are out there trying to eat up these worlds. Yeah, so I'm just curious how they're going to layer, because we're going to see recognizable things from the Aliens movies, but then we're also going to see Prometheus and that kind of stuff uh, getting in there. (laughs) If they really want to lean into the Prometheus thing, every player character has to always make the worst choice, Yes, be rude and angry and argumentative. And poke aliens for no reason. <laughs> right. And of course, bring a romantic partner with them wherever they go. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that movie was like aesthetically beautiful, mm-hmm. but the characters were all so stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, both both Prometheus and uh, Covenant, Alien Covenant, had that weird like slasher movie thing where yeah, you, you hated the characters and you couldn't wait for them to you know all be wiped out. They just made them yeah. so unlikable. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Yeah, they were just hostile to each other for no reason. <laughs> right, Because right. that's what you do in a horror movie, right? Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't like that much. But yeah, they've done a good job so far of using the different kind of evolutions of the xenomorphs and things to, to play them appropriately, have an appropriate kind of threat level in the different uh, cinematic adventures so far. So hopefully this will continue to do that, give you nice options. And in the, the pre-written, uh, you know, expeditions and things it's not gonna it's it'll work you know it'll, it'll be a, a kind of a mashup of everything they're trying to do with this like crazy world building that the alien franchise has but it'll still be you know very playable so we'll see so that is going to do it so building better worlds full of xenomorphs <laughs> <laughs> that we'll give that a shot. Yeah, that, that's something we should because uh, I think um, 
Alchemy is doing a uh, mm-hmm. will have a, an, an alien setting. So that would be great because the atmosphere of that I think is super important. So to have a good VTT with yeah. a nice, nice you know sound and uh, visuals would help a lot. I, I, I would love to play one of those cinematic one shots. I've mm. never got to. Like one of those. Oh, cool! Yeah, if you if you haven't, yeah, that's great. Because so if you don't have any experience, because the one thing that's frustrating is they're not they're not really replayable unless you're really going to meta game and just like I know what you know where this is going, but my character would do this. You know, you have to kind of um, super that's role fine. play. Yeah, but yeah, no. If you if you haven't uh, played before, I'd love to I'd love to run it. Yeah, that would be a really fun thing to do. And they they work. I mean, I think we could get enough hours in that we could literally make it a one shot. You know, it could be like one or two sessions, um, kind of like similar to Star Trek. Because I think they they wrap up they wrap up pretty quick. Aren't they usually like with kind of three acts? Three acts, yeah, yeah. Structure, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So so depending, and I think the the first one can move kind of fast. I think the second one is more. you, there's a there's a countdown. It has a clock on it, so you can kind of limit it time wise. But it has more exploration. It's kind of looking at more of an investigation, um, kind of you know figuring out a, a crime more than uh, the first one is. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, yeah we we, we got to try that. I think that would be very very fun. So keep an eye on the channel <laughs> for even more. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that Matt, list is long. Yes, it's getting it's getting long. We got to live a long time. Take your vitamins. So, Matt, where can people find you? Oh, um, I'm on Threads and Instagram. It's at Hargold, H A A R G A L D. Cool. Um, where I'm getting muted for <laughs> posting videos critiquing Critical Role a little bit, not even <laughs> not even that much, just a little bit. But now I talk about games and stuff. But more importantly, mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm running this surprise holiday themed game for these guys on the stream. Yes. So be be here. Yes. It's going to be, I think hilarious oh good good yeah i'm looking forward to it I, I like the mystery of it too so so yes engage in the mystery and find out get get the reveal tomorrow it will be revealed exactly what the game is so excellent a big question mark so far a holiday question mark all How right about you and uh yeah i'm still doing my single panel gag cartoons so abuse cartoons on youtube and twitch so i draw the cartoons and i had some amazing chocolate from a convenience store of all places uh yesterday and uh yeah so that's it's uh, abusecartoons.com. Uh, and then uh, if you want to read the cartoon itself, there's like about 20 years of it on Go Comics. So gocomics.com slash domestic abuse. And if you like what we're doing here with the weekly, consider becoming a weakling. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash upturned table. And let us know what you want to see, uh, see more of, see less of. Uh, send us some, you know, uh, links to uh, kind of news tips and things that are going on on tabletop, and we will discuss it. And uh, then you can also get access to um, uh, early early releases, exclusive content. The audio of this live stream goes on the RSS feed on Patreon, and uh, uh, yes, there's also all that good stuff. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, you can also, if you're watching this on YouTube. There's a join button where you can join uh, to become a member of the channel and get access to the same content, uh, minus the RSS feed, because YouTube hasn't figured that out yet. But now that they're merging their music and podcasts and YouTube together, it may uh, it may happen. So, um, yes, uh, you can uh, find everything that we're doing on... <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Upturn Table. Upturn Table uh, on all social media. And, yes. And when I'm still reading the... Um, 
uh, the final volume. It's gonna it's gonna go well into July, or I'm sorry, well into January. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not July. It may be July. Well into July, if it's or July, January. If it's anything like my editing for the actual plays, it will be July. Uh, but the um, uh, so into January, we'll still be doing uh, the Dementia, the third volume of the Apostle of Insanity trilogy. So yeah, every night we do a chapter. The chapters are pretty small, but there's a heck of a lot of them. So uh, yeah, tune in for that. And already we're up to 14, I think, went up last night. So yeah, uh, not even halfway through. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks again, Matt, for... Uh, oh, you're this way. Uh, thanks again, Matt, for being here. And... Uh, we will uh, do this again next week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye.